Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes, the movie and pop culture podcast that pins the wildest, most unpopular opinions head-to-head. Today marks the season one finale of Duel of the Takes, and to close out the year that started it all, every movie that won an episode on our show this year is going head-to-head in a madness bracket. My name's Nathaniel Martin, and I am joined by my regular co-hosts, Joshua Kubis, Alden Mason, and Jory Boston. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Duel of the Takes. Today, we are doing our season finale. Uh, on the first season of the show, we've talked about many things. Video games, video game consoles. We even talked about conspiracy theories, but what we talked about the most was definitely movies. So to celebrate our first season of Duel of the Takes, every movie that has won an episode of our show is going to be going head-to-head in a madness bracket. This is this is a tough bracket, fellas. This is probably our toughest bracket yet. And I wouldn't have it any other way. This one's interesting because I don't know how to like differentiate some of these movies. I, this is this is going to be an interesting debate from everybody. And I decided to seed this by chronological order of which episode uh, it was. So our first fight is a ghost story from our A24 Madness bracket up against Blade Runner 2049, the greatest sci-fi film of all time, according to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did say that, didn't we? <laughs> we sure did, back when we were young and naive, nine months ago. <laughs> Both of these stories are kind of about simps. A ghost simp or a robot simp. I like the robot simp, but Jared Leto's in this movie. But a ghost story also has that fucking the suspenders. Hey, I like the guy in the suspenders. <laughs> I yeah I like that dude. No, that was easily my least favorite part of the movie, and I get why it's there, and I think that it's supposed to be like the antithesis for what the movie is going for. Jory, the guy at the party with the suspenders reminds me of you. Does he actually? Like, vaguely. That's the meanest thing anybody's ever said to me. He kind of reminds me of College Nate. That's fair. Uh, okay. I don't know if anybody on this panel is a soy enough boy to be compared to that dude. How's he a soy boy? He's he's got good points. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's going on this bullshit like existentialist rant he's like oh everybody's gonna die and everybody at the party's like bro this is a fucking party but cash is at the party the ghost who's there is also like yo this is like bullshit (laughs) (laughs) this is a vibe kill (laughs) yeah and it nearly kills the vibe of the movie i don't think it does at all i think it works perfectly as like the center nah fuck that it's an equivalent for me for whenever jared leto shows up in blade runner 24 not gonna be the pie scene it's gonna be this dude showing up i like the pie scene as much as it rips off true blood it's a great scene we did i don't think we talked about this in the h24 episode we did a shot for shot remake of that pie scene in college josh do you have footage of that because i'd love to put it in the video (laughs) i do we'll definitely put this in the video it's also a running joke at this point so i am gonna be jory runner 2049 um i love both of these movies i think they both might be in contention for my favorite movie of 2017 the emotional impact i'm left with a ghost story is considerably stronger than any major feelings i have about blade runner 2049 now if this was the original blade runner i'd probably switch my opinion around there but for this i have to go with a ghost story i'm with you well then did you see a ghost story i did today yeah you watched it today i i like the dude in the suspenders that was a fun time it might be my favorite movie afterlife i would have to like actually sit down and think about all of them but it's definitely a very interesting take on it ghost is pretty good with swayze like scaring the cat and like eventually he's able to slowly learn things but uh a ghost story is like a phenomenal film and i think 
we need to elevate that over Blade Runner 2049, even though I think both of these movies are masterpieces in their own different ways. All right, I agree. A ghost story's moving on. I think it's way bolder to scare out a young Hispanic family than it is to scare away a cat. That was most of the reason that I wasn't voting for this racist-ass Casey Affleck. I know he grew up in Boston, but come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird role for him. How often do you think he was actually under the sheet? I was about to say, this is kind of the best role for him right now, because he was low-key canceled. And the next movie he does, he's like barely in it. Well, the director, David Lowry, whose next film, The Green Knight, is my one of my most anticipated movies for 2020 that got delayed to 2021. The director said that Casey insisted on being underneath the, the ghost thing a lot. He even took a pay cut certain times uh yeah so no casey like took a pay cut on set so that way he could just stay in the uh ghost thing instead of help them get into character more that's so fucking funny i love that this next one's such a meme yeah it really is. i'm having a hard time here up next we've got the dark knight versus the incredibles fuck it incredibles <laughs> my two favorite superhero movies um yeah i appreciate both of these movies a lot and I kind of feel like they're both a little on the overrated side. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that The Dark Knight really does a lot for the genre, but at the same time, so does Incredibles. Yeah. The fact that it made like an animated family movie from the same studio that brought you Toy Story and Finding Nemo, uh, it really made like the whole family into superheroes for once. It wasn't just like the one nerdy kid that read comics in the family. I think that part of that is also how bold it is that this is like an original superhero movie which is nearly unheard of nowadays the only times where you get something like that is when it's sort of like a parody of the genre like a super or kick-ass or something like that but like this one does it just like unabashedly and it's like hey pixar's take on like superheroes when the sequel came out i feel like part of what didn't work about it was that it came out in a world that was like post mcu almost like the uh, infinity saga was almost over and it was so similar to the original that it felt like it wasn't really paying attention to how the genre itself had changed in that time. I think The Incredibles is incredible, and I also think The Dark Knight is incredible, but it's not my favorite incarnation of that character. Yeah, I feel like it's a very good take on the character, even if it's not my favorite either. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I, I like how grounded The Dark Knight is, and I think it kind of did more damage to the superhero genre in the long term. I do really like the scores of both of these movies but that incredible soundtrack is no pun intended incredible yeah yeah both of them are revolutionary in their own ways i gotta go with the incredibles i'm with you. uh christopher nolan uh talking against hbo max was annoying so that's a point against the dark knight and i rewatched incredibles 2 about a month ago now and uh it brought back a lot of nostalgia for the regular incredibles so i think i'm gonna have to go for the incredibles the dark knights won two episodes of duel the takes i think incredible should go next incredibles almost won two episodes yeah it did we're moving on to the harry potter fight the winner of our best modern blockbuster harry potter and the sorcerer's stone versus the best harry potter movie harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban <laughs> i'm sticking with prisoner of azkaban i am too alden and i know that the other two people are going with sorcerer's stone <laughs> yeah for me sorcerer's stone i like my harry potter movies to be in color thank you <laughs> i love both of these movies but the charm and the everything I like about Harry Potter started really with Sorcerer's Stone. Like when I think of Harry Potter, like I think of like Sorcerer's Stone. 
Like, I can't, like, the first movie, like, executed everything so well. And, like, I can't say that a lot when it comes to franchises. The only ones that really pop up to mind is, um, you know, A New Hope or um, Fellowship. But outside of that, I'm not out here saying, like, Iron Man is, like, the best like of the mcu or that but when i think of sorcerer stone like it really it really was such a great introduction into into this series into this ongoing franchise into the jk rolling getting canceled <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna go with sorcerer stone here just to speak more for sorcerer stone because the popular take is that uh prisoner of azkaban is the best harry potter movie and i can't really dispute that too much but just as an adult as somebody who is a fan of these movies and these books like the more i grow up the more that i gravitate towards the beginning of the story where everything is still innocent and yeah he's still going up against these dark forces and like fighting these like evil magic things but it's just so much fun to just be able to just like slip away into that wizarding world and you never really get that in the way that it's done in the first movie. I think that the strongest thing Sorcerer's Stone has going for it is the world building. But I think in a very similar way to introducing this world and introducing these characters, the Prisoner of Azkaban had very large shoes to fill. Well, most notably, Chris Columbus leaving after setting up these two great movies uh, in Sorcerer's Stone and uh chamber of secrets to kickstart this franchise so you you're missing the essentially the creative force behind this this movie and this adaptation to the one that is still considered to be the best movie uh coming out right after then and i think the master masterful direction and cinematography of alfonso corion is really what took this series to the heights that it needed to go to to continue in terms of the tonal difference there's sure there's darker elements to the first two movies as well but at the end of the day they are definitely more family movies everything from just the environment in the world is is portrayed as lighter to this movie, although I, I do agree, the color palette's a little weird. It's not as bad as the uh, <laughs> Half-Blood Prince color palette. The color palette only gets worse in this series as it goes on, and Prisoner of Azkaban is in no way the worst offender. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it immediately takes this this difference and this this unique approach compared to the first two movies, and for me, it's the one that I still go back to the most. Uh, it's the one I have the most fun rewatching. Sorcerer's Stone's great, and I think it is important. But and I think that the changes in the story in Azkaban are greater for the overall narrative, especially of the franchise and of the series. Sorcerer's Stone is really good, but there's a reason that people still say Azkaban's the best. Yeah, it's because of Alfonso Cuarón. How did they accidentally get a Kino machine like Alfonso Cuarón to direct Harry Potter three of all things? That's just so wild it's like yeah this guy's gonna go on to be known as like one of the best directors and cinematographers of this generation of filmmaking he did eat the mama tambien before this movie <laughs> yeah but that that movie's in spanish so no one knows what it means it was right before this movie too what the fuck? warner brothers was just like extremely based and was like how about we get the director of one of the greatest foreign films in recent memory to direct harry potter 3 dude 
I can't wait for Bong Joon Ho to do Fantastic Beasts three. <laughs> I'd actually watch that. <laughs> like no cap. That would be fun. Yeah, I'm still sticking with Sorcerer Stone. All right, Instagram. Let's take this shit to Instagram. No, I don't think I will. This is the season finale. We're sorting this out like men. Oh. <laughs> and I'm in a bathrobe. I really don't want to go live on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best time to go live on Instagram. I don't want to put on a shirt. And talk about kids' movies. I mean, as Nick here, we could tag the Harry Potter core page. <laughs> He's going to say Azkaban, though, and Jory's not going to like that. So, I mean, I know that any tiebreaker is probably going to end up Azkaban, but on the chance that it doesn't, I think I got to go with Spider-Man 2 here. And there's only one reason that's sticking out in my head as to why. You don't have to watch Temple of Doom to get to the point in Indiana Jones to watch The Last Crusade as you do with Spider-Man. In terms of the story, you could start with Last Crusade. Yeah, you could, but why would a first-time viewer ever? You wouldn't start with Temple of Doom either. I mean, technically, that's a... I mean, the beginning of Last Crusade is pretty much an Indiana Jones prequel. The first 15 minutes with River Phoenix, I think, are awesome. And probably the best... One of the best parts of the movie. That, that movie has a really solid three-act structure that I can't really say the same for Spider-Man 2. Kind of, it's got a very similar structure to that of uh, Return of the Jedi, where it's like, here's a big like action set piece at the very beginning of the movie, and then we're gonna get into the story, kind of like what you have with like Jabba's Palace. These movies are both, um, I mean, products of really good directors, but also products of of really really good action, really good comedy. Personally, I got to go with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade here. I'm going to say it. The train sequence is cool and all, but once they like the New Yorkers take off his mask and carry him like he's Jesus, it's some big man of steel energy and I kind of don't <laughs> it's really cringy. I don't I don't think so. I think it's really good. I don't know about all that. <laughs> no, nah, I love that scene all the way through. Yeah. Well, I'm going Spider-Man too. Man of Steel isn't that bad, Josh. Calm down. <laughs> I mean, Man of Steel is much worse than Spider-Man 2. Yeah, it's much worse than both of these movies, but it isn't that bad, is what I'm saying. This is a different debate for another time, but Man of Steel sucks. But anyway. I'm voting Spider-Man 2. That's actually one of my favorite elements of Spider-Man 2, is how, like, the New Yorkers are just caricatures of, like, actual New Yorkers. <laughs> I think that's the whole trilogy. I love the extras in the same. It's the thing at the end of Spider-Man 1 where he's like, oh, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do appreciate that entire trilogy where it feels like New York is an actual supporting character, unlike like later superhero movies where the city's just kind of there. I think that might be the biggest element missing from the amazing Spider-Man movies, which is, uh, you know, something I'm known to defend. They try, they try to do that. Like in the climax of the amazing Spider-Man, they're like, hey, we got to get the union forklift guy to move the, the thing and then help Spider-Man switch. Turn the cranes. But it feels so forced. It doesn't feel like it's genuine. Like every frame of the movie, there's like a dopey character doing some slapstick thing in the background. Like the original Spider-Man trilogy came out of really like sensitive time for new york city where they wanted to feel united and i think a lot of those scenes were in there because of that man Raimi's based he always has been and we've been disrespecting evil dead for too long <laughs> shit are you gonna make me are you gonna make me choose sam Raimi over spielberg jury yeah josh which one are you going with have you made a claim yet as much as i like spider-man 2 a lot i think it is a really great movie i kind of want to vote towards last crusade here because both of these movies I'm kind of like comparing these two from pure entertainment because that's the only way I can really compare these right now. And Last Crusade is just so 
fucking entertaining to watch. It's one of the most entertaining blockbusters I think ever made. It's a straight up comedy disguised as like this Indiana Jones movie, and I think it's great. I don't know. I feel like Spider Man Two also has that same energy. Like the entire opening sequence where he's delivering the pizzas, like that. That's straight up comedy. And so is like the entire thing is so tongue in cheek. Like you've got Doc Ock like ripping through a giant bank vault with his metal arms and holding like cartoon bags of money. Then all they're missing is like dollar signs pointed on him, and then he grabs an old lady and starts climbing up a building. Like this is the most like comic book a superhero movie like has really ever been until like uh, maybe into the Spider Verse, but that took like nearly 20 years later the more i think about it the more i think that spider-man 2 has things in its like not necessarily franchise but also genre that aren't anywhere else i don't know i kind of want to change my vote just based off the arguments because like the more i think about it i do really like the last crusade and between these two movies if i had to choose which one i'm gonna watch next it's probably gonna be last crusade but i've, I've always just been more fond of it but it's like you could also watch Raiders. You know, I think Raiders has a better story. I also think it has better villains. But I don't think you get a better Spider-Man villain than Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2. In fact, I, I think he's one of the greatest comic book movie villains ever. And he's so fun to watch. The way it's handled, too, is it's like a mix between, um, like, Sam Raimi's love of, like, horror and also, like, the kind of comic book tone uh, of the rest of these stories. So I... I think I got to go with Spider-Man 2 now. I've switched my vote. There it is. Spider-Man. I know Josh would have picked the first Spider-Man over Last Crusade. Yeah, I probably would have. <laughs> he likes the anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> Just like real New York. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. All right. Up next, we've got the best MCU movie of all time versus the best fantasy movie of all time. We've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 up against Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> This is such a meme, but I'm voting Guardians. I'm also voting Guardians. I'm not going to have much of like an actual argument. Wait, 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 wait. Alden, you were the biggest critic of Guardians 2 in that MCU episode. Yeah. And you like it more than Fellowship of the Ring? No, but I have more fun watching it. And I have a feeling most of these matchups, it's going to be which one I enjoy watching more rather than the one I think is better. I can see that. I think Fellowship of the Ring is, for what we were kind of singing the praises of Sorcerer's Stone, of kind of setting up this world although it is a very straightforward adaptation i think if this movie was bad you wouldn't have the entire lord of the rings saga and i don't think peter jackson would be as respected as a filmmaker i don't think that there's a better made trilogy than the lord of the rings no i don't think that fellowship of the ring is the best story-wise it might be my least favorite because it mostly just sets things up but i can't deny that it's incredibly well directed and a great great adaptation i just don't personally like some of the editing styles but like editing choices and i don't think it's it's aged as well as the other two movies in its little trilogy. Is it secret? Is it safe? I love the part where uh, Gandalf like yeets like Samwise Gamgee from outside the window and just tosses him on the table. Yeah, very similar to like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies too in terms of tone. Like there's still a lot of like humor and, and bits of comedy within this like epic story. Uh, Peter Jackson also coming from that like horror movie background. Yeah, they're very similar trilogies, which is really hot. <laughs> I think that Guardians 2 is great and it's definitely my favorite Marvel movie, but I think that there's no other movie like Fellowship of the Ring 
but I could find probably five other movies in the MCU that are derivative of Guardians 2 or the Guardians of the Galaxy 1, for that matter. Fellowship of the Ring is irreplaceable, whereas at, at the time of recording this, there's other movies like Guardians 2 that I, that could fill that void. Yeah, the MCU replaced it themselves. Yeah, and I have a feeling that the MCU is going to continue to pump out shit that's derivative of Guardians. Hey. I'm so down for Guardians 3. Uh, based HBO Max is giving us the Suicide Squad at home uh, next year. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. They are based for that, but we'll see if uh, the powers that be let them have it. You know, <laughs> James Gunn has not said anything about it. I think he's probably all right. He's like, yeah, let people watch this at home. I think I read an article that he was upset about it. I think that the biggest thing is like established filmmakers are upset that the way that they make their money is going to be more uncertain. But after, like, we see how it works, maybe they'll be more open to it. I think if the financial end is, like, transparent and that AT&T is able to provide, uh, like, analytics and how much money they're making from it and then how they're dividing it, I think that it might be a bit more accepted. But the fact that they just did it without acknowledging anyone, including business partners, they're going to... That was a major bro moment. <laughs> There's going to be a giant lawsuit and maybe a union strike. Yay, let's destroy the film industry. Again. Fuck it, it'll rise from the ashes. Speaking of uh, things dying and then coming back, I also am casting my vote for Fellowship of the Ring, just like Gandalf. Yeah, talk about a great cliffhanger. I was voting Guardians for the meme, but I do think Lord of the Rings should move on this in this situation. All right, Fellowship. You're moving forward. How great for our worst episode. Another great fantasy movie, our our best DreamWorks movie, uh, Shrek, up against Tim Burton's actual best movie, Ed Wood. This one's annoying. So Shrek versus my, one of my favorite movies of all time. One of my favorite movies of all time versus Ed Wood. <laughs> Alden also watched Ed Wood today. I did. Oh, what did you think of Ed Wood, Alden? I really enjoyed it. It was it was actually a lot of fun, which I didn't fully expect from that. I think it's Tim Burton's funniest movie. Yeah, maybe. I think these movies are both very good. Where I kind of have to take the stand here is going to be in how they handle uh, Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood. I think that that is one of the greatest like supporting characters put to film, and it it touches base on like the real life film history element a little bit, but isn't as in your face as films like uh you know. Mank or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it's like this self-celebratory thing. I think that it's really cool. We got to see the life of a director that was always critically panned. And I think that Ed Wood stands out so much within that little niche subgenre of movies about movies or movies about filmmakers. Just from Tim Burton's direction and his stylization, I do think Shrek was a game changer for CG animation. And I specifically like that it's very kind of counterculture in its stance against like disney and poking fun at its tropes it just got voted into congress the, the library of congress but so did the dark side and that also didn't go over i personally think that ed wood is a uh more underappreciated movie that i'd rather elevate and everyone knows shrek i think shrek's cultural impact is gonna be dominant no matter what i feel like out of everybody on this bracket the one one person that needs to be elevated right now and in, in his time of need is johnny depp <laughs> josh don't say that too loudly we're gonna get canceled uh -oh. i do agree though <laughs> this would be a much easier choice against ed wood if it was shrek 2 but i do agree with you that oh, it, would. it would for me but go off i think ed wood especially after seeing it 
less than two hours ago. It's incredible. I think everyone involved, almost everyone involved, did a great job on it. I just, I really enjoyed myself. It was great. I really love Bill Murray's character too. I was about to say, a really underrated Bill Murray performance. <laughs> I, yeah, Bill Murray is one of my favorite parts. I paused the movie, joined a Discord call just to talk about Bill Murray for a second. <laughs> yeah, this was like pre-Rushmore. This was pre-like based Bill Murray. Yeah. The funniest scene is the baptism scene where he just goes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So Ed Wood's moving on. I didn't want to see uh, Dark Knight on this bracket twice. So we went with our runner up from the DC, uh, every DC film ranked, which was a mess of an episode. <laughs> yeah. Josh, do you remember that episode? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got Batman 89, which I almost convinced everyone was better than The Dark Knight. So an honorable mention there up against Toy Story 2, which uh, was Jory's draft pick for sequel better than the original. So let's all wish Nathaniel R. Martin a Merry Christmas by all collectively voting Toy Story 2. Yeah, it's going to happen. I was going to do it anyways. Merry Christmas, Nate. Merry Christmas, Nate. Oh, thanks. Um, this is actually coming out after Christmas. So Happy New Year, guys. I'm glad that Toy Story 2 is moving on. <laughs> <laughs> now, if this was Batman Returns, I feel like it would have been more of a discussion. <laughs> yeah. I really like Batman 89, but we have been just bullying toy story 2 all season it does not deserve that i don't know i also like batman 89 but i feel like i feel like it had to be toy story 2 in this situation even if we weren't doing it just to be nice one thing that i don't think gets talked about enough which surprises me especially considering like how close it was in release to other pixar films how much of a step up the animation quality is from toy story 1 to 2 it's it's actually insane uh especially with the way the human characters were like look and how the um, textures are so different. It's like, you look at the dog in Toy Story 1, and then you look at that scene with the guy coming to fix up Woody. It's just, it's incredible. I think that it's really interesting just tracking, like, all... I would say up until like Cars 2 in uh, Pixar's filmography, like their first 11 from Toy Story to Toy Story 3, you can really just like, there's a visual improvement in every single one. And it's obvious that they focused on like a single aspect, like with Monsters Inc. it was hair, with Finding Nemo it was like water effect, like things like that. Like it's really cool to go back and look at those first few movies from them. I can't really tell the difference between say like an Up, a Wall-E, and a Ratatouille. Um, although all three of those look great, but I do agree with what you're saying. Tracking that the progression in their animation feat is is really impressive with those earlier Pixar films. Josh, you saw that lineup for uh, Pixar's like Disney uh, Disney Plus plan. Oh my god, it is like I cannot be less excited about a property when I heard about the Chris Evans Buzz Lightyear movie. Yeah, bro. <laughs> What are they doing? And then they're doing Pixar's doing two animated series on Disney Plus, which I'm not looking forward to. Really weird. Alden, they're doing a car series. Yeah, I'm probably not gonna see it. The uh the 4K asks a question uh short series was actually one of the only things I was watching when that first when Disney Plus first came out. So I don't know. They might be alright. The only one I was like excited for that they didn't even talk about in this press conference was Monsters at Work. Oh, that's right. That was the only one that looked really cool to me, but they didn't even mention it in the latest press conference. Did Monsters at Work get fucking canceled for the Buzz Lightyear shit? <laughs> I really hope not. All right, moving up against Josh's draft pick for the best sports movie of all time versus Jory's draft pick for the best video game movie of all time. <laughs> We've got 
Rocky, the original, up against Pokemon, the first movie. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a big fan of underdogs, so for that, I have to go with Pokemon. <laughs> I also am going Pokemon. I was joking. I'm not. <laughs> as much as I want to vote for Pokemon, like, Rocky has to take it here. Half the panel is from Pennsylvania. Of course I'm voting Rocky. Yeah. I think Rocky's a groundbreaking movie. Somebody just mentioned how the Steadicam was invented. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. It was kind of his rise to to success and stardom, and it got a Best Picture uh, nomination, a Screenplay nomination. In fact, it won Best Picture. It got a cinematography nomination it's like it's all over the place i think it's crazy that there was a time where like sylvester stallone wasn't like a household name and then he made a movie that he cast himself in and pretty much wrote a role for himself as like this boxer who gets the opportunity of a lifetime i think it's just as interesting as a as like a film history note as it is like an actual entertaining sports movie and it set a lot of tropes for that genre like moving forward like every boxing movie ever just wants to be rocky yeah and it was crazy how there's so much longevity in that series and how it almost just made like like creed almost became a series that was as iconic as the rocky series unfortunately creed 2 stopped that yeah creed was so good yeah yeah creed was like crazy good those characters in that universe has still has the the energy and the relatability for a story to be told so much further out from when it was originally conceived rocky is something special i agree moving over to the right side of the bracket we've got the two best movies of 1994 going head to head a goofy movie which won our disney renaissance ranked up against uh pulp fiction which won our tarantino ranking actually pulp fiction won our disney renaissance <laughs> before any of us say anything let's hear nate's full take on why a goofy movie is better than pulp fiction as you can hear in our uh, tarantino ranking if you guys haven't seen that one i highly recommend it some of our most heated debates to date there's always a contention for what his best movie is everyone can have a different opinion on what their favorite is and i do think that Pulp Fiction has one of the greatest screenplays ever written and I think that it's a really ambitious film and really set a precedent for what indie films could be or what lower budget movies could be uh, distributed by Miramax through the 90s and that was a huge huge trend I think without the breakout success of Pulp Fiction you wouldn't have other uh, breakout successes like Goodwill Hunting and and things that made indie films more accessible. But what I find more impressive is when a studio takes a big risk. And I don't know if it was a risk to make a Goof Troop movie, but it was a risk to make a Goof Troop movie the way that they did. At the height of their powers, Disney was like, yeah, let's just have some like like B-Studio put together a little Goof Troop movie. And what it has is a really, really, really great script. Not Maybe not as great as the Pulp Fiction script, but close. A lot of great comedic set pieces, but also a really touching father-son story that I, I honestly think is still unparalleled to this day. I think a Goofy movie continues to get better with age as its uh, 90-isms tropes are almost more of a positive thing to go back to rather than something that just horribly dates the film. I think specifically for millennials, a Goofy movie is uh, a like a generation-defining movie in the same way that Breakfast Club is for Gen Xers. And I think that a Goofy movie will only get more appreciation over time. Whereas I feel like Pulp Fiction's appreciation has kind of peaked. I know there's still like the joke that film bros love the shit out of Pulp Fiction, like it's untouchable. But at the end of the day, it's going down in, in history as one of Tarantino's best films. And one of the films that like was a catalyst for 
uh, like 90s independent films and uh, really started a lot of trends in Hollywood. But I've got to go with a goofy movie. See, Nate had me until he said millennials and now I'm voting for Pulp Fiction. Just kidding. I'm still going with a goofy movie. Aww. Even though you didn't like it as much as other people in our uh, <laughs> in our uh, Disney Renaissance ranking. Yeah, top three Disney Renaissance isn't bashing the movie at all. <laughs> there are just two other movies that I would also vote over Pulp Fiction. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I don't think I talked about it on the Disney Renaissance episode, but a goofy movie, what I love about it, it's really good at being a Disney movie, but without it being over Disney, like too much Disney. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, in a way, mm, sort of. Yeah, it has a very class. It has a very classic Disney feel to it, like the Disney that like you really admire and not kind of like the corporate one we get now. Mm-hmm. The hand drawn Disney. Yeah, I don't know. It it has like a vibe that I can't really um I can't really explain. It's kind of got the same vibe as like a really old Disney World ride where like you could tell like there was actual like a great mind in Walt Disney put this together and not just like it was made to make money. Yeah, Disney before they started acquiring every company under the sun. Yeah. And now their properties have kind of turned into like money making machines too where i don't know i don't look at mickey mouse the same way as i used to you know what i mean yeah back when disney could actually use like mickey mouse and sell yeah that's true too the value of mickey mouse as a character has tanked in since our lifetime yeah it really ended at mickey mouse clubhouse i think it was ended before that (laughs) house of mouse was lit that was a great way to like use a clip show of their older cartoons and still do stuff with new animation as well. That was a really great show. Yeah, it was. I wish they would do they did more with it. Or would do more with it. Is it on Disney Plus? No. Really? Damn. There's so much on not on there that really needs to be. I'm sure it'll get put on eventually, but I'm sure there's also like they're having a hard time getting the Simpsons in widescreen for some reason. Like <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's going on. People have been complaining about that since it launched. Yeah, it's been a year. They still haven't fixed it. And they said they've fixed it but they didn't <laughs> yeah they said they did and they clearly didn't well i'm i'm very grateful goofy movies going on to the next round oh yeah the winner of our nickelodeon top 10 spongebob squarepants the movie up against uh the x-men ranking winner uh the film that greatest superhero film of all time yes the film that almost beat the dark knight in our third episode of the show disgusting x-men days of future past should have no well what's the take here spongebob or x-men all right does x-men have ocean man by uh i don't even who makes that song again uh ween ween yes thank you i almost said weezer and i was like that's definitely not right (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna cover it on their next album i really hope not no my enjoyment of both of these movies go beyond memes and i i love x-men days of future past i love the spongebob movie as well it's a movie from my childhood that i don't think that i'll ever completely separate from but uh x-men days of future past as i have famously posited is the greatest superhero movie of all time and i'm not backing down from that either so i gotta give it to x-men days of future past especially since i feel like it still doesn't have the respect that it deserves we've come so far with this x-men days of future past agenda i can't back down now (laughs) i have to continue this just can't side with x-men i think there is a lot of good to x-men days of future past and i 
understand that it's not as uh, that it's better than first class and that I was in the wrong in trying to defend a lesser movie. I have since since doing the X-Men ranking gone back to uh, Days of Future Past. I had it on in the background while editing the episode. And I do think that it was a lot more straightforward and also took a lot more risks than I initially gave it credit for. And I don't think that the SpongeBob intellectual property got stronger after this movie i think in a lot of ways i also brought that up as i was trying to tear that movie away from number one as well yeah they lost hellenberg honestly i kind of wish the spongebob movie ended the spongebob franchise and x-men days of future past ended the x-men franchise (laughs) honestly i agree i i really think that these are both really the best of their their IPs to a certain degree. I think there is more interesting things that could be done with X-Men, and I do think that some of the spinoffs try to do something more ambitious in the same kind of way that this does, but realistically, at the end of the day, I think both these movies are overrated. So <laughs> I honestly kind of want to side with X-Men Days of Future Past. Maybe that's the meme. Do all the takes is just the biggest shill for this movie. <laughs> we are sponsored by X-Men Days of Future Past. <laughs> I like Days of Future Past, but not that much. The studio that made this movie got acquired by Disney. <laughs> like, it's over. This film's done. <laughs> I uh, I don't think it's overrated, like you said. I think on our panel, it definitely is. But as, as a mainstream audience, audience it's definitely not alden aren't you the guy that voted uh x like last stand over x2 probably i don't remember uh however i'm still siding with spongebob even though it seems to be a three to one like once they just turned into torturing squidward the show like getting his toenail ripped off and yeah that's the that's the precise moment when you can stop watching you know that's weird is like every person i feel like i talk to about the downfall of spongebob they bring up the toe scene. I feel like that was everybody's like, okay, that's enough moment. I uh, I don't feel the same way. Because it was so, like, it was such a drastic change in, like, tone and content from what the show was before. And now has, like, since it's become that. What killed The Simpsons was the flanderization of Ned Flanders is making a dynamic character and a, a member of this very, very big ensemble show uh, a fleshed out 3d character to then turning him into a punchline for the sake of a joke to compete with things like family guy that's kind of what killed spongebob too was they just they the characters stopped developing after the movie they didn't have as good of a showrunner behind it and it was like oh well crabs loves money so let's do an episode about crabs loving money there wasn't any any kind of uh, the, the jokes became less character-based and just became more caricature-based. I hate this channel. <laughs> now! Now! <laughs> <laughs> All right. X-Men Days of Future Past took it. Hell yeah. I made some of you guys watch this movie for the very first time. Suspiria, my favorite horror movie of all time, up against the winner of our John Carpenter uh, top 10, The Thing. So I had The Thing on my favorite horror movie list as well, and it was at the number four or three spot. It was in the top five. It was I. It was higher up. I can't remember which. I think it was number three. Yeah, it was like three or four, whatever. It doesn't really matter. When making my list, I definitely wanted to have opinions that are not as predictable. Uh, Suspiria is the horror movie I've seen the most. It's kind of like my comfort food, but I acknowledge that it's uh, it's definitely got some weak points. Uh, who watched it since? I watched it last night. And what'd you think? I thought it was very good. However, um, I recall I was watching it with somebody and my initial reaction, like when the credits finally rolled where that was 
pretty good, but I feel like the ending just saved it from being another like Italian like B slasher movie. But the more that I think about it, the more I feel like that's not really the fairest of takes. It does have good moments leading up to that. The first kill that happens when that woman is murdered is like the suspense in this movie is very well done. I really love the dynamic lighting with the reds and the blues. They're really striking visually. And you always know that like some shit's about to go down if you like start to see that scene where the maggots start raining from the ceiling is like straight up like gross out terrifying um and even like a scene that i think is the funniest in the movie with uh, a blind man and his seeing eye dog uh the suspense leading up to the moment that is just fucking hilarious i don't know i don't think it was intentionally hilarious but the suspense leading up to it is so 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 well done uh i think suspiria is a great film i cannot put it over the thing in my head you guys want to hear what the tagline was for suspiria sure the only thing scarier than the last eight minutes of this movie are the first 82 damn i don't agree with that but but that's a good tagline yeah maybe they were saying scarier like (laughs) like in a bad way (laughs) (laughs) i do think what Suspiria brings to the table is a really really good uh soundtrack by uh, a band called goblin a uh really really great uh like color contrast heavy um cinematography and and color palette production design's also awesome i love the use of like miniatures and these like really high set walls there's a lot of really really cool shots in suspiria but holistically as a movie John Carpenter's The Thing's a masterpiece, and we sort of uh, ruined it in our horror bracket. <laughs> we, we didn't give it a fair a fair run in that episode, so I'd like to see The Thing move on over another sleeper hit from yours, True. Dope. Josh, did you get a chance to see Suspiria? No. I was going to watch it last night, but I, uh, I fell asleep. I really wanted to, but uh, I definitely want to check it out. Uh, Alden, did you see Suspiria? No. I was told to focus on the other two, and I did. Yeah, I think it was the better choice. I don't think there was really a, a possibility that Suspiria could have taken over the thing. I have a, yeah, I have a strong feeling I would have still picked the thing, so it's fine. I'll watch it at some point, but yeah. The winner of our 80s horror movie bracket and the winner of our Star Wars uh, ranking. We've got Stanley Kubrick's The Shining up against uh star wars a new hope i don't know what kind of person it's gonna make me look like but i'm voting star wars and i'm not looking back (laughs) this was one that i looked at a lot before coming into this video and i still don't know i'm really about to betray stanley kubrick the next two rounds (laughs) (laughs) josh his best movie isn't even on here you're right jory if eyes wide shut was on here (laughs) eyes wide shut could take it over star wars yeah you're right so can barry Lyndon. the shining isn't even like kubrick's top five potentially it was surprisingly low on our list but i agree there's like debate that it was like even in kubrick's top five i do really like the movie i think it's very well made yeah in a lot of ways though um it's really hard to criticize like this movie at the same time though it's just i just think that compared to like the cult status that this movie in particular has like compared to the rest of his filmography it's kind of odd but i get it because this movie is kind of more overt about its more ambiguous aspects and riddles than even... And I think it's a little more accessible than, say, like a 2001. I just think it's as popular as it is because it's Kubrick's most accessible film. Yeah. I mean, A New Hope, it has, like, one of the best hero's journey arcs you've ever seen in the history of film. It's a revolutionary film. Um, Yeah, I think George Lucas created a great sci-fi movie that um 
nobody knew it would become this gigantic franchise that we now talk about a lot. Yeah, I I think I got to stick to my stick to my heart and vote a new hope here. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the same bandwagon. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. All right, time to disrespect Stanley Kubrick again. <laughs> uh, all right, Josh. Similar to the Goofy movie round, I want to hear this take. Uh, we've got. Josh's favorite animated movie of all time, Ratatouille, up against Stanley Kubrick's best film, according to our list, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't see a 2001 A Space Odyssey musical on TikTok right now. I'm just saying. I think... (laughs) Could you imagine the score from 2001 A Space Odyssey? 2001 A Space Odyssey doesn't make me want to build a rocket in my backyard, but Ratatouille makes me want to get in my kitchen and cook. I've said it many times, Ratatouille is my favorite animated film of all time. I love everything about the movie. I I think, like, it's one of Pixar's top-tier films to me. Like, when it comes to characters and theming, I think, Pixar just knocked it out of the park with this movie. Yes, 2001 A Space Odyssey is a masterpiece, not only as a movie, just in the history of cinema in general, but I think Ratatouille is a lot more inviting. It's a movie you could practically show anybody not to actually use TikTok as a point, but I think this whole Ratatouille a musical meme has really showed that like Ratatouille is a very like big movie for not only our generation but for anybody else and as much as i hate it 2001 a space odyssey has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle when it comes to people going back to watching it we had that really shitty 13 reasons why scene where the guy gets bored in the beginning of 2001 a space odyssey and it's such a shit take (laughs) it sucks that's where 2001 is but compared to ratatouille i just it's something that's a, a lot more inviting to me even though 2001 is a masterpiece i think that's kind of where this argument like rests is uh in the cultural significance and i think it's very interesting that these two movies are going head to head in the past uh let's call it four or five months to be generous the ratatouille musical trend on tiktok is something that is already having uh industry results there's going to be a ratatouille the musical live coming in 2021 in january it's coming up so soon already it's crazy And in the same kind of camp, the past few months, we've had the stupid monolith show up in different parts of the world. And 2001's been uh, at least brought up in conversation more than it has in years past. It doesn't sound like people are as excited about some stupid experimental art project as they are a uh, perhaps overlooked Disney Pixar movie musical. I think that Ratatouille is an underrated Pixar movie. It's still personally not in my top five. Um, and I think that 2001 is again, a masterpiece. I want to hear what the other the rest of the panel has to say, if it's really one of those side with Josh arguments, cause it doesn't feel like one to me. I can't side with Josh. Ratatouille is, it's probably in my top five Pixar movies. I just, I don't like it nearly as much as I like a space odyssey. Yeah. I'm really glad this isn't Wally versus 2001. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think I have some bias towards 2001 because I kind of like space sci-fi. A French chef that happens to be a rat versus a tail in space is very 
hard to compare, but I'm going to have to go Space Odyssey. Interesting how you undersold both of them. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable going with Ratatouille on this one, not just for the meme, but just because like I appreciate 2001 for what it is. Again, it isn't my favorite Kubrick movie. It's probably like number three for me. It's still very high up there because like there's no denying what it is. But also Ratatouille, we've also been putting over like kind of underrated movies this entire time. And I do think that while maybe Josh's number one pick is a little high, maybe it deserves to be in everybody's top five Pixar movies looking back on it. Imagine if Josh like opened his horizons beyond American animated movies. <laughs> Never once would he do that though. <laughs> number one, Akira. I do think in the theming department, Ratatouille is a little stronger. I think it's messaging because I mean... It might not be a kid's movie, but it's a family movie that's targeted towards kids and wants to let them believe that they can be anything if they put their mind to it or that anyone can do anything. They just have to believe. There's some good theming there in Ratatouille. I do like it. Uh, 2001's theming is, I mean, it's very vague. It's up to your interpretation. And frankly, that's just something that people who watch movies now don't care about. So I, I could see Ratatouille taking it here. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's going to all come down to personal taste. These are just like two completely different movies when it comes to like yeah what you're looking for in a film. I also wonder how well Ratatouille will hold up. I think after a decade, it's hold up significantly. And I think this. Yeah, but it's got a couple more decades to go to catch up to 2001. I think the biggest thing in that argument or in that situation, rather, is going to be how well it stands out already in Pixar's category. And it sounds like Pixar's capabilities moving forward or focus moving forward, rather, is continuing what their previous successes were. I think like getting a fucking Chris Evans Buzz Lightyear movie is just the epitome of why Ratatouille is one of the better movies to come out of that animation studio. And I think as Disney continues to grow and as Pixar continues to grow and as they start making three projects a year, which sounds fucking terrible for a studio like Pixar. Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah, the marvelization of Star Wars is bad, but what I think is worse is the marvelization of Pixar. And I think their older movies are only going to get more love over time, and their newer shit is just going to find these little sweet pockets and then be polarizing like Coco, like uh, Inside Out. You know, those movies are polarizing. Some people love them, some people hate them, but their first, Jory was saying 11 movies, I think that's that's fair. Uh, those are going to age better than the rest of them. Everything before Cars 2. I, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, speaking to that also, I think what we're seeing in the marvelization of like all of the Pixar stuff especially, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like all of these sequels are sort of affecting the way that I see the originals. Like, I kind of touched on it a little bit when I mentioned The Incredibles, but like as much as that movie meant to me as a kid and as excited as I was to see the sequel as an adult, like I kind of don't think about the Incredibles in the same way anymore after seeing that. And I feel like a movie like Ratatouille that they can look at and say like, oh, well, this one isn't quite as profitable as the others. I don't know how many people are really going to come out to see a Ratatouille sequel. I think that's actually going to help it in the long run as far as like being a more timeless movie because it's not going to be corroded by a bunch of like sequels that try to cash in way back when when we were making the pixar rankings i tried watching a couple of pixar ranking videos on youtube ratatouille got very very high on a lot of those uh channels sometimes even number one which really surprised me i think there is it's slowly like getting like at least more attention from like it's always been critically acclaimed but like i think now as we get older i feel like our generation 
has is putting ratatouille higher and higher as we get older the, it's gonna there's gonna be a ratatouille too at some point unfortunately yeah it's gonna be called ratatouille it's it's inevitable it's their oldest movie they haven't gone back to as of now yeah except for like bug's life but they can't really touch kevin spacey anymore <laughs> <laughs> up next we've got the winner of our music biopics uh walk the line and the uh highest movie on our rank and bass tier list santa claus is coming to town you better watch out you better watch out you better watch out you better watch out all right well if someone picks it i'm gonna shoot them so uh <laughs> i'm picking santa claus is coming down bro i'm not picking johnny cash over santa claus all you santa deniers with hux and kylo's lightsaber i think that santa claus is coming to town is a movie you have to watch once a year you get it's one of those movies that gets you in the season of christmas like josh said it's his headcanon for the origin of santa claus i think it's a fantastic movie and i think it's the most charming out of all of those rankin bass animated specials uh as with walk the line it's a great movie but how many times am I going to go back to it in my life? I've seen it twice already. I really don't think it's going to be a third or fourth for me. It's not even the best music biopic. Both of these movies. We'll get there when we get there, but this isn't even in my top five favorite Joaquin Phoenix performances. It's a fine movie, but it's not a masterpiece. It's really not. Don't come to Dole of the Takes tomorrow. <laughs> Both these movies are origin stories. So when you compare them that way, <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town, knocks it out of the park. Very true. There's no character named Burgermeister in uh, Walk the Line. Are we doing a speed round for the second round? As much as we can. I mean, I think I think we will. But I don't know. Like the first one is a ghost story versus Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Three, two, one. A ghost story. A ghost story. The Incredibles. <laughs> incredible all right we'll just debate the ties uh fuck it fuck it ghost story all right no tie <laughs> there it goes all right harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban versus spider-man 2 ready three two one spider-man spider-man 2 spider-man 2 okay that's unanimous harry potter that's almost unanimous lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring versus ed wood ready three two one ed wood ed wood ed, ed wood okay i'll be the lone fellowship no, no. Fellowship of the Ring. It's a tie. I thought about it for more than uh, that brief countdown. And uh, yeah, I feel like just like the technical proficiency that goes into Fellowship of the Ring makes it one of the most impressive movies of like the last 20 years of this millennium, really. But now we get to a point in a bracket where I'm like, OK, these are the movies I think are the best of the best. Lord of the Rings to you, Nate, is not even the best Lord of the Rings movie. Can you really vote for that? <sighs> You're right. I feel like Fellowship of the Ring is one of the comfiest movies ever fucking made. Come on, that whole Shire scene. Fireworks, Gandalf, fireworks. And then he rides off and they're all disappointed. And then he lights them off anyway. And everybody goes, ooh. <laughs> I think we have a movie that represents that same era of filmmaking as well. We just we just took it over Harry Potter. So uh, stickly this sense for me. Damn it. All right. Toy Story 2 versus Rocky. Ready? This is going to be weird. <laughs> Three, two, one. Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2. Rocky. Wow. I'm surprised that went the way it did. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. A goofy movie versus X Men Days of Future Past. Uh oh. <laughs> God. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. A goofy movie. X Men. A goofy movie. X Men Days of Future Past. Yes. Oh, no. A goofy movie. I'm having PTSD to the, the first superhero video we ever did on this channel. All right. It's a tie. Imagine the duel that takes Instagram. Uh oh. <laughs> They're going to be like, what are you guys talking about? We can't. <laughs>
All right, what's better, Goofy Movie or X Men: Days of Future Past? <laughs> I don't even know how to debate this. If we if we put in our head canon that Goofy's a mutant, uh, I would say that a Goofy movie is definitely better than Logan. <laughs> Okay. I mean, these are really, really, really hard to compare. Yeah. I think that a Goofy movie being this little self-contained story, uh, even amidst the Disney renaissance, even amidst the Disney filmography as a whole, is very unique. Uh, X-Men is a very broad uh story it combines multiple era eras of the same kind of spectacle or introspection in films and i'm personally more of an introspective uh film person like a ghost story over incredibles and that's really just the taste that i have i think a goofy movie i don't know i think on the surface a goofy movie can i think on the surface a goofy movie can read as the more introspective of the two but i feel like the introspection that comes from x-men days of future past isn't necessarily the relationships between the characters and each other where most of the movie they haven't met each other but i think it's the relationships between the audience and the characters of both the new and the old era of x-men i mean this movie came out 15 years after the original x-men in theaters a lot of the people that were watching it in theaters had never seen the originals in theaters like me when i saw this movie and I think that uh, the execution of both of these generations, of both of the eras of this one franchise together, hasn't really been done before. And I doubt it's going to be done like, again. I know that the new Spider-Man movie is going to make an attempt at it, but I sincerely doubt that it's going to execute it as well as X-Men Days of Future Past already did. You know, that's actually a very good point. I'm excited to see how they try to incorporate that and how it holds up against this. Because I agree with you, that is the strongest element of this film. I try to be really based in high school and watch the original X-Men movies um and then first class and then i saw x-men days of future past i didn't really grow up with those movies i think i saw the first two x-men movies and thought they were like one movie when i was a kid <laughs> marathoning all of them and then going into days of future past was probably the most satisfying movie experience from that superhero genre because i was just able to like actually like connect with these characters and grow whereas like an mcu is like I see the movie once in theaters and kind of forget about it. And then I, when I see like the next team up movie or the next Avengers movie, I'm like, Oh yeah, such and such that connects cool. But there's no like connection there. Like I do with the X-Men. It's very hard to explain, but I just think the X-Men's better at it's that there's no like emotional stakes in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But X-Men has always been very good at, even if the development is like kind of weird or kind of dumb, like the characters react to it in like a re realistic and relatable way for the most part. Yeah. I guess it really does hit a sweet spot between like the first generation of X-Men movies uh, meeting their unfortunate demise and then like the reboot franchise having a really successful movie and then this being the follow-up of that so before its demise it hits this perfect little sweet spot i don't know how well it's gonna age because i i do agree that it does that really well and seeing this movie in theaters in 2015 or whatever was probably a, a big spectacle but it having that kind of uh multiverse or multi-timeline uh meetup and kind of combination that strong element when there's more franchises down the line because unfortunately there's going to be and there's other things that don't relate to the two franchises or the two series in this franchise that we saw how well is this really going to hold up you know i think people might like the more self-contained movies like x2 class beyond this one that's uh, kind of hodgepodge of the two when the mcu gives us 
six shitty X-Men movies, you know? I don't know. I feel like this one holds up more <clears throat> as like a self-contained series than like whatever the MCU is trying to do and however that's getting muddled up in. Because the MCU's thing isn't going to be a part of this. At least I really fucking hope it's not. It better not even try. Yeah. If you bring Patrick Stewart into this, God. I think the relationship between like X1 and X2 like holding up as well as it does and as good as uh, First Class has also held up by as long as those stay as acclaimed as they are and people appreciate them for what they are as much as they do i think there will always be an audience for this one as well i'm sold based (laughs) Based. unless unless alden has an argument for a goofy movie that i wouldn't have there's nothing that you wouldn't say i will say the music in a goofy movie is significantly better so much better i think the stylization in the goofy movie is better but there's only so much you can do in a live action movie speaking of like 90s to 2000s nostalgia though how about like the x-men theme song playing with like the directed by brian singer shit (laughs) (laughs) which is a little cursed now but (laughs) it's super cursed now i have no idea who directed this movie and i would like to know it might have been the guy who directed bohemian rhapsody i don't know fuck bohemian rhapsody goofy movie <laughs> wait a second you mean the guy that directed rocket man <laughs> what's his name dexter jetster <laughs> alan smithy speaking of a star wars character we've got john carpenter's the thing versus george lucas's star wars uh-oh trip down memory lane so hmm. do we want to count down this or is there going to be a debate yeah yeah all right three two one the thing star wars jory what's your vote <laughs> i really don't know josh just pick one i'm gonna go with star wars but somebody could sell me if someone fought for the thing they could probably sell me too but i i really like star wars all right i'm i'm gonna vote for the thing then just because i feel like this will be interesting i have an argument prepared for this because i actually foresaw this happening i think i can help you out john carpenter we mentioned it a lot in his list he's made a bunch of films that have a cult following or have a small following and and then over time, more and more of his movies are seen as the masterpieces, are seen as fantastic movies. And I have consistently on this show underrated the thing. I had Big Trouble in Little China higher on my personal list. I voted for Shining over the thing in our horror movie bracket. But this is where I draw the line in the sand. I think both of these movies represent two different ways of handling success as a director. And I know this is going to come across as really pretentious, but it's this remake of a middling movie from the 50s that no one really cared about. And it ended up losing that battle. It lost to E.T., which I think is is very interesting. Where John Carpenter went afterward was continuing what he wanted to make. George Lucas thought he wanted to keep making Star Wars, but realized that the more he did that, the more he'd paint himself into a corner. He eventually ended up failing as a director, became a successful producer, made a lot of great, great financial success off of his movies. But you look at him in the behind the scenes of making the prequels and you can tell that. What are you talking about? Red Tails won Best Picture. The man's drained. Like the dude hates directing. He didn't want to direct the prequels. And then he gets all this backlash because he did direct the prequels. I think John Carpenter always took things into his own hands and made the stories he wanted to make remade stories that he thought would be interesting and at the end of the day i just think this comes down to preference i think the thing knocks everything out of the park and i think that george lucas is still trying to fix this movie for some reason george lucas is also a very good writer i also want to just give him credit there Uh, yeah He's he's an okay writer. I think the novelizations of the prequels have always been pretty good. George Lucas is really good at world building. Yes, that's what I will say. Yes. 
Very good. These are the two sides of the sci-fi coin, is the way that I see it. It's the thing being the more, I don't want to say like thought heavy, but it's more using a sci-fi concept to represent something that we can relate to, rather than Star Wars using uh, sci-fi concepts to uh, create another world to, so that we can be transported and have an adventure that we can escape from our reality from. I think that the thing in general is more interesting and in general i like that uh mode of sci-fi more but like as, as well as being one of the uh one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever this is also probably my favorite horror movie ever i can think of a bunch of adventure movies that i enjoy almost as much as star wars but something like hitting notes as well as the thing does like i really can't think of anything yeah i mean i could really go either way if i'm being honest i could too when i watched the movie the thing the practical effects and all of the decisions made from a directorial standpoint inspire me more as a filmmaker than unfortunately what star wars has become and that's not at the fault of a new hope and that's not at the fault of this particular movie but now it's like you can't just watch one star wars movie i mean at least i can't because then i'm like oh well i should watch the whole original trilogy and then it's like oh but I, I could watch the prequels as well or i could watch solo and then it just becomes this this giant mess whereas like the thing will always be the thing and they might remake the thing and they're going to remake the thing again but i don't think this movie will ever get damaged by how many times they try to retell it what i love about a new hope though it is the one film out of all those from if you're just a fan of filmmaking or like a new hope is fun to watch especially when you know the story behind the making of that movie and everything unlike like the others because even by the time empire strikes back rolls around star wars was such a huge hit so it didn't have that it didn't have that underdog yeah it didn't have that underdog mentality that a new hope does where it really fought to get there but the same thing with the thing where like the thing has always been the underdog it like you said et um beat it out these are definitely like two films that came out in the 70s that nobody thought it was going to be we'd be talking about these movies now when they were making them what could win me into the favor of a new hope here is if they released the theatrical cuts a new hope the original cut of just the first star wars because then i could compare what that underdog what that hidden gem or what that original product was directly to something that i find as charming as the thing yeah the most charming aspects of a new hope you almost like they're almost inaccessible in the modern age which is a real shame they're hidden by cg and there are way, like workarounds but there should really really be a legitimate way that's available to everyone to witness the theatrical cut fox still has the rights to those i don't think disney bought them yet i don't know how that works but now that disney owns fox maybe they'll be able to release them now uh part of like george lucas's deal that like they couldn't release them that's the rumor but i feel like at some point he's not gonna care or he'll die that too i think at some point they'll be released um yeah eventually it should be accessible to uh whatever you want because it opens the door for other directors to do it and even other directors that i respect a lot like sam raimi has gone back to do that with his film evil dead which defeats the purpose of the original evil dead for me yeah anyone switching their votes i don't think i am i think trying to compare what star wars is outside of a new hope doesn't sway me enough that's fair i know you also like the stuff outside of a new hope a lot more than i do so that probably explains it we've had we've had a lot of josh kubis kino picks coming in so let's throw the thing in i uh I, the the thing is i really like the thing 
a lot. It is definitely my favorite horror film. It's my favorite anything that comes close to that style of film. But I just would have to stick to A New Hope. And it's not even my favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think out of the entire panel, it was only number one for Jory's list. So it makes sense for the thing to move on from a statistic standpoint. Jory, out of curiosity, what's your other favorite horror movie? Uh, Evil Dead 2. Based. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Ratatouille. Ratatouille versus Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh-oh. Uh, three, two, one. <laughs> Ratatouille. 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 Fuck. Is Ratatouille automatically going in the final four because of this bracket? Yes. Wait, Nate, did you vote Santa Claus? No, I also said ratatouille but if you have a case i'd be willing to switch (laughs) (laughs) no my case is just like i fucking love christmas man (laughs) i do too (laughs) (laughs) yeah no what i'm going to watch santa claus is coming to town more times in my life than i am ratatouille guaranteed probably gonna watch santa claus is coming to town tonight (laughs) yeah that might be true for me as well nate but i still can't i do think that put one foot in front of the other is better than any music anywhere to be found in Ratatouille as a movie or as... <laughs> yeah, are you fucking kidding me? People speaking French? Get the fuck out of here. Whoever wrote this score, Michael Giacchino, wait a second, he's good. How do we feel about the supporting characters of Ratatouille? I think that they're okay. I think that they're better than the ones in Santa Claus is Coming to Town, though, for the most part. That's true. I like the guy who's like, I killed a man with this thumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty dark for Pixar. I like it. I don't like the boss that much, though. I love the montage where, like, they're, like, kicking the boss out because he's trying to sneak back in and he puts his thumb up and he just flies out of the restaurant. I like the I like the black guy chef that turned into a meme. The main character of Soul. I've never seen this meme. I love how uh, Ratatouille gets a buy into the final four. <laughs> <laughs> they made it. This is how I win. We've got a ghost story up against Spider-Man 2. <laughs> very similar films how did we get here i'm happy it's not incredibles versus spider-man 2 i think that'd be a little easier it would be it would be but it would be superhero versus superhero again i'm gonna go with a ghost story because the relationship in that film is better than toby mcguire and Kristen dunce you know what you got me i'm gonna go with spider-man 2 because the relationship between spider-man and that guy's pizza is stronger than the one in the ghost story hey you stole that guy's pizza. The relationship between Mr. Aziz and Peter Parker's uh, bicycle helmet sticker. I don't know if it's even a meme. Maybe he is coming back, but the guy who said that line is supposedly going to be in the next Spider-Man movie. I really hope that's a meme. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he's in it. I need something that makes seeing the next Spider-Man movie actually worth it, because I think it's going to be a clusterfuck. I mean, I've kind of been elevating Spider-Man 2 this entire time. Um, but it's not a movie I grew up with. Like I know you guys did again, just being slightly, uh, uh, dischanted in my childhood, uh, what I was allowed to watch experiences and a ghost story for me was one of the first movies I kind of like, uh, was introducing to people, uh, it, it like on a big level, I think I, I showed pretty much everyone I was friends with, except Alden, I guess, a ghost story in college, like everyone found some something to talk about. It was a movie that facilitated discussion. And I think that that was something that I, I think was really cool. It was like a conversation starter, whereas like Spider-Man 2 is I don't know. It's charming. It's definitely like a one of a kind movie. And I think it represents that era of filmmaking in a lot of ways. I think it's a superhero movie that came out before the MCU. So for that alone, it's kind of special. But it's also kind of special, again, in that early CG 
um, blend of practical effects, uh, still shot on film, but partially edited digitally. Like it's kind of this lightning in a bottle that I don't think we'll ever get a Spider-Man movie as charming as this one or the first Spider-Man by Sam Raimi again. But I do think that there's potential beyond this Spider-Man movie to get those characters right, if that makes sense. A big reason why I've defended the Amazing Spider-Man movies as much as I have is I do think there's elements of those story of that story that feels more based to those characters. At least what I've experienced from reading the comics and from interpreting what Spider-Man would be. But I also think that there's a lot of people that find that same kind of experience in Into the Spider-Verse and even some unfortunately unbased people that feel that way about the MCU Tom Holland spider Damn, who who would like Homecoming? I would. I think Homecoming's fine. I'm mostly talking about holistically and as he gets incorporated into Marvel, like Avengers movies and stuff. But I don't know. I just don't think there's going to be a movie for me that is as kind of like art house and pretentious, but also accessible and like inviting as a ghost story. And uh, I think it's very unique. I gotta ha- I'm gotta. i going to stick with my guns here and go with a ghost story. I'm still voting Spidey. My boy Sam Raimi needs some help. Nobody likes him. He's just trying to make sourdough bread on the chef show. <laughs> so is that Spider-Man 2? I want it to be, but I don't think it is. Uh, I voted a ghost story. I think I'm on the side of a ghost story. Wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> a ghost story is just the, the gift that keeps on giving. Racket is so cursed now. Okay. <laughs> We've got Ed Wood up against Toy Story 2. Oof. Uh-oh. I'm voting Toy Story 2. I think I also have to vote Toy Story 2 here. I'm not going to flip-flop onto Ed Wood like I did last time. I'm going to vote Ed Wood because, like... I'm with Josh. As much entertaining the characters are in Toy Story, um, if I'm looking at this bracket as, like, just what I think are, like, the top-tier films, like, Ed Wood is really, like, a film that could be, like, honestly number one on all this when it comes to my personal. If I had to rank all these films, it could possibly be number four. Number one, the character of Ed Wood, Johnny Depp plays, is one of my favorites on this list. Um, I think it's uh, one of the best directed, and it's Tim Burton's best movie. Um, the cinematography is phenomenal. Like Nate said earlier, it has some of the best supporting cast ever. Um, yeah, I think Ed Wood is phenomenal. I think it's one of the best films about filmmaking. If you have like any sort of interest in filmmaking, you're going to get something really funny out of Ed Wood. And that's what I always liked about it. It wasn't afraid to um, really tell this story in a very tragic way. Even though it is a comedy, it kind of ends very tragically. Yeah. It has that positive ending and then you read what else happens. It's it, it's it's such a uh, it, it's so it's so funny. It was very weird. It's a tragedy, like labeled as a comedy. I, I think totally, I agree with everything you're saying with Ed Wood. But where this comes down to me is kind of just if you could show just about anyone on, on the planet the movie Toy Story 2, and they're going to be like, this is a fucking great movie. But I think that there are people that I've even showed the movie Ed Wood to that have felt alienated by it because it is so weird. It's this black and white movie that's made with like a great cast and everything. But it's a story about this like niche B movie director that not too many people know about. It's it's very much a movie for people like me. And I think that's the reason why I love it so much. But then I just have to think holistically and I have to think like what Toy Story 2 has done not only for... Uh, me personally like Ed Wood but what it's done for the anim- the art of animation what it's done for the studio that made the movie I, I mean I-, I think that Toy Story 2 it feels like the safe pick here but I-, I-, I think it's the right pick here 
it's it's significantly better than the first movie in my opinion and it's also like it's the best pixar movie like i'm, I'm sorry but it has every element that every other pixar movie has at some point in it except like good cooking the best pixar movie is already in the final four nate it's not yeah you guys are right coco's not even here <laughs> oh god shout out to Alyssa. i think the the story of ed wood and is a very weird and bold story to tell and having that be in black and white and with the um style of tim burton it's just something that i really enjoyed i just i i think toy story 2 is just too normal not to get like political or anything but when when he like this is a character that like cross dresses and like this is a male that wears like dresses and that this that could have easily been the joke right but what I love about this film is that, like, half the time, that's not even, like, more than half the time, actually. I'd say 90% of the film, he is wearing, like, these dresses and that, but they're, it, that's not the joke of the film. That's just, they're just showing what Ed Wood likes. I think that's actually a really interesting thing to think about for a movie that came out in the 90s. Especially a film about the 50s, too. I think that this movie, both of these movies, really, uh, you could boil them down and try to say that these are both movies about uh, characters trying to feel like they belong, like they're important to a set group. In Toy Story 2, it's Woody feeling like, oh, like, I'm, like, part of the Roundup gang. Like, I'm not as important to Andy anymore. Like, he's kind of going to throw me away. But, like, I can be in a place where I can feel important if I, like, leave my family, essentially. And with Ed Wood, it's sort of the same thing, where he has, like, this gang of, like, misfits with him, and, like, he meets Bella Lugosi and, like becomes friends with them and then he just goes out and he meets orson wells and he's like i'm just gonna like be myself essentially i need to make the movies that i want to make that's such a good scene that one really caught me off guard to me where this argument lies is ed wood is more niche and because of that it's gonna affect people that are in that niche in a more biting way than maybe toy story 2 will but that's because toy story 2 is so broad it's a family movie that can appeal to anybody who sees it anybody who sees it no matter their age no matter but is the theming of ed wood actually get it from a surface level uh what, what was the theming the the theming of really like following goals and dreams even like any doubters or that you see i feel like that's really not what the film's trying to communicate well it's what ed wood tries to convey not the film itself which is what i find brilliant about it and i think there are multiple characters that are trying to follow that same uh aspect but i i don't know how we could like to say that like ed wood is gonna appeal to as broad an audience as toy story 2 it definitely will not yeah I mean, maybe that's the argument this is all about, really, you know? It's not about how much money a movie makes. It's about how much it can impact someone, so... As much as I like Toy Story 2, I think it's a great animated film. Outside of the Jesse scene, though, I don't know what's actually, like, attaching that to me. I, I don't know about that. I think what Jory's saying about Woody trying to find acceptance in the Roundup gang, and essentially it's it's a movie about the importance of and value of friendship over, you know, preservation. And, and you know, essentially the Roundup gang is a cult. I mean, think about it. Uh, Jesse is someone who's been emotionally manipulated in the past. Bullseye is someone with a disability, uh, a toy with the cognitive ability of a dog. And it, being manipulated by this evil prospector voiced brilliantly by Kelsey Grammer, 
uh, kind of this cult leader of sorts, this charismatic, friendly appearing uh, prospector who turns to be this kind of uh, narcissistic and maniacal character who really wants to ascend to immortality by being put in a museum behind a display case never to be played with or appreciated it's kind of a lot like the heaven's gate cult in a way yeah yeah that's true it's definitely i just definitely a theme of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you just compared toy story 2 to heaven's gate and i'm trying to change <laughs> right i can't believe you just got josh to say yeah that's true to what you just said <laughs> i mean i was talking on my ass but that kind of makes a lot of sense yeah that's kind of weird i could tell that you were talking out of your ass i was like bro that's staying in yeah keep that shit in that was good <laughs> I-, I can say that i don't relate to the story of toy story as much as i would like ed wood or any of the characters inside of it they just feel more real than the toys do listen ed wood's homie stayed with him the whole time through all those shit films yeah yeah so did woody's friends they came back for him and tried to get him and even like went back for him again when he was like no fuck you guys i'm important and that's that's one of the reasons i don't uh, necessarily like Toy Story as much. I can't believe I have to drive all the way to work on a Saturday. All the way to work! I do see that clip once a week. <laughs> Come on, the best Wayne Knight performance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the entire scene where the guy comes and fixes Woody. <laughs> Come on, like that's, Josh, even even for you, that has to be on par with Remy cooking. It's one of my favorite animated scenes. It's a really great scene. But it doesn't push the movie over. I don't know, apparently I can just monologue about Toy Story 2 multiple times. <laughs> Josh, I feel like your willingness to accept what Nate said shows where your heart is here. Josh, should I talk about the duality of man between the two different buzzes? Because I will. (laughs) Wait, Josh, come on. One of the best Star Wars parodies in film. That's true. It's up there with Spaceballs. Father. Evil Emperor Zerg. Talk about that opening scene, too. I mean, that's really cool. You you feel like you're you're like, what the hell is going on with Buzz? This is not what I expected from a Toy Story sequel. And then it's like, they're playing a video game. It's like, whoa. <laughs> that that seven minute segment at the beginning is better than that Buzz Lightyear movie. That Buzz Light that's Buzz Lightyear game was a PS5 exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like one. It doesn't look like I'm gonna be able to budge you guys, but yeah. But yeah. Are we stuck on a split? Well, let's come back to it. X-Men Days of Future Past versus John Carpenter's the thing. Oh, please don't. Jury, where are you where are you lying? Josh, don't even ask. X-Men Days of Future Past. X-Men Days of Future Past. You guys are shitting your pants. It's John Carpenter's the thing. Fuck yes, it's X-Men Days of Future Past. No 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 no. We're gonna debate this like we just did with Toy Story 2. <laughs> I shan't i am going to i'm gonna have to um i will vote toy story 2 if x-men days of future past moves on are we trading in the middle of the show this isn't how it goes how am i gonna how am i gonna justify this in the recording listen 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 listen. uh as far as the thing goes i love it it's my favorite but i feel like that whole subgenre of like body snatching aliens is carved out in sci-fi and so is to the same degree um time travel movies but i still feel like what x-men days of future past does does not get enough recognition for being as bold as it was and as bold as it continues to be and seems to be where superhero movies are now trending five years later after this movie got like a lukewarm response and i'll add this we had a lot of fun this season on duel of the takes a huge part of Duel of the Takes this season was the superhero movie genre. 
it would be very strange if we do not have at least one of those movies in the final four. And the only one left is X-Men Days of Future Past. Also, one of the biggest running jokes in season one of Duel of the Takes. Like, come on, this gotta make it. This is a certified Duel of the Takes hot take. I don't think I've ever been on board. I rarely have either. I think the last time I was on board was the last round when I gave uh, X-Men the benefit of the doubt over a Goofy movie. I just, I, I don't see the argument really making all that much sense and i get that again these are two movies that are really 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 hard to compare but i think that multiple people on this panel having the thing as one of their favorite horror movies even if they're not a fan of the horror genre says more than it does about people who are all whether we want to admit it or not somewhat fans of the superhero genre and only a handful of us having this anywhere near like our top five favorite superhero movies of all time uh excuse me a couple of us having it on the top of our x-men bracket doesn't count x-men days of future past is ironically probably in my top five maybe top three based it's maybe in my top 20 i still like first class better the thing i really like i don't know if it's in my top five movies i've never made that list it's gonna be up there for me but personally Personally, I like you said, Nate, uh, a lot of us might not be fans of the horror genre, but are fans of the superhero genre. That says where our appreciations lie. Yeah, but it also says that you can appreciate a movie in that genre, even if you don't like that genre, if the movie's good enough. And the thing is, in X-Men Days of Future Past is maybe going to be forgotten in this uh, time of oversaturation of the genre. Maybe in uh, 200 years on Turner Classic Movies, you know, someone will play X-Men Days of Future Past and there'll be like, you know, some descendant of either Jory or Josh clapping their hands. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like the thing's already at that level and it's only been 30 years. About 40 years, hasn't it? It's been 38 years. Sorry for rounding down. Should have rounded up to 40. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Like, you can't really say where the... Uh, that the... is the thing. That's what's moving on. No, that's the issue here. You, you can't really say where the legacy of this movie is going to lie five years out, especially when five years out, the legacy of this movie is being copied by every major superhero movie coming out of Hollywood. And the entire theming of Days of Future Past is the legacy of the older movies. This is, this is a climax to the history of the X-Men movies. Mm -hmm. And the X-Men movies, whether you like it or not, are as important to the superhero genre as as like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, like these are the movies that launched what would become then the MCU. Fuck. I hate that you're right, but you're right. <laughs> like, come on, this movie is not just going to be completely forgotten. It might not have the same cultural relevancy, but let's be honest, it doesn't have the cultural relevancy it deserves right now. I think that there's a greater chance of it coming back than it has a chance of, like... If it does get forgotten, wouldn't we want to elevate it? Because it is going to go down as then one of the more underrated movies of this oversaturated era that we're gonna look back on a little more fondly. Alden muted his mic so he could scream into a pillow right now. <laughs> this is just like... This is just like how it went down against the Dark Knight. We, we need to do a commentary of this movie in season two. Okay, alright. Just humor me real quick for like two minutes if the spongebob movie was here instead what would y'all say i would say the thing of the spongebob movie the thing no question if a goofy movie was here instead what would you say we would be having a conversation about the goofy movie and if it was pulp fiction versus the thing i'd still be on the thing i'd also be on the thing i also don't see how that's relevant it's really not i just want to take the subject off of days of future past because i don't even think it's the best from that trilogy yeah but you also think that last stand is better than x1 and 2 i think everyone's entitled to their own indifferent opinions and 
I don't know. I do think that the argument of of uh, you know cultural importance is is valid. I do see what you're saying with the X Men franchise being as um, important to its genre, and that this is the culmination of that or the ending of that. Sort of. It's also the continuation of the second wave of it, which is looking to probably age even worse than the first wave. I'm just, I'm still really split because, like, I, I want to go along with you guys for the sake of moving forward, but at the same time, it's, it's the thing. I mean, this is like the king of movies that are underrated to then found appreciation, and I, I don't know. I just feel like the people that talk about X Men: Days of Future Past that aren't you guys don't talk about it as highly as you do, Jory. It's, it's like that's what I mean. It's a, it's a duel that takes staple. Yeah, that's because they don't want to admit it. They have their eyes wide shut to the fact that X Men: Days of Future Past is the best one. If it was up to me and Jory, the finals right now would be Days of Future Past versus Eyes Wide Shut, but that's not the future we live in. The thing being like the king of underrated movies i feel like the thing has gotten its appreciation now uh since when it came out and was underappreciated but it now is this like cult classic like everybody fucking loves this movie who's seen it i don't think i've heard one person say like a negative thing about the thing and i feel like because of that i don't feel a need to elevate it as much you want to hear the negative thing i have about the thing what's up so i love the practical effects love the movie love a lot of the, the special effects especially the gore it's one of the last major kills with like the stop motion bit it doesn't look very good it's like there's two or three scenes with these practical effects that aren't perfect and i think that that kind of adds to the charm but i i do think you guys are right for the sake of our channel for the sake of the history of our show <laughs> it makes more sense to go with x-men days of future past here why does the thing keep getting snuffed it's the thing did the thing get snuffed it got number one on our carpenter bracket yeah and then it got snuffed on the uh horror bracket okay because that happened toy story 2 is going into the final four i don't even want toy story 2 in the final four josh i i made a sacrifice wait so we're just screwing over alden twice <laughs> that's fine that's how this goes honestly no I'm defaulting. I think Ed Wood, in in the way that this is going, Ed Wood needs to move on. Okay. This was a yo this was the biggest yo of duel that takes season one. Shut the fuck up, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that the right side of the bracket is both for Josh. This whole final four is all Josh, to be honest. Honestly, that's true, but still, <laughs> these are all Koopa's Kino picks. <laughs> Alden, you just have to have better arguments in season two. All right, so Josh's top four favorite movies of all time are a ghost story, Ed Wood. X-Men, Days of Future Past, and number one, Ratatouille. <laughs> Damn, I did it. <laughs> this is a good bracket. This is really, honestly, a solid Final Four. Still a bit of a mixed bag, but I'm excited to see where these arguments take us. I just watched The Left 2 the first time today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm really glad you did your homework today, Alden. Apparently, Ed Wood changed your freaking life. Uh... Sure. For the left side of the bracket, let's start with Alden. What are your takes for each film? The duel of Alden's takes. <laughs> a ghost story is definitely a fresh and interesting take on the paranormal. And I kind of like the way that it went. I like the uh, aspect of timelessness in it. Um, and the, the cyclical nature of it. Uh, Ed Wood is, in Burton's style, uh, a retelling of like, 50s Hollywood and interesting characters in Ed Wood's 
uh, circle. I'm going to have a really hard time picking between the two, but I think I know which way I will lean. Which way is that? Uh, you'll find out after you guys speak. I think the ghost a ghost story tells a lot with so little dialogue, whereas Ed Wood is all dialogue. These are very different films. The left side, I'm not, I'm not that worried about. Yeah, both are very bold. I honestly wouldn't mind if either goes forward. The right side, I'm going to lose sleep over, but let's focus on the left side. Josh, I don't think you're going to much sleep over the right side. I feel like I might be one of the biggest fans of a ghost story can like considering how far it's it's gotten and I also really 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 appreciate Ed Wood. I just feel like what it comes down to is like both of these movies are not for everyone. And this is kind of the argument that we decided to choose between Toy Story and Ed Wood was that it, what's more important is what this means to us. And again, a ghost story, I agree with you. It is a very interesting take on, I guess, like the paranormal, existentialism, a lot of like larger topics of like like themes. And I think it has a lot of really great moments. And I think holistically, it's it's fantastic. But I can't really compare it to anything else I've ever seen before. And it's, it's really original. I mean, the only thing I could really compare it to would be something like Tree of Life. That just looks pretentious in comparison to even this. This is something that... A, a live action movie in like this like stupid polaroid looking ass aspect ratio more moving to me and it's non-dialogue than any animated movie i've ever seen in the same way it, it paints with film the same way that an animated movie does edward is such a by the numbers biopic but with chunks and elements and its presentation uh being so wildly different from everything else like it between these two it, it's edward i mean it really is there's more characters to latch on to it's more of a movie than a ghost story. A ghost story is a fantastic piece of art, but it's a feature length art display to me. It's like watching a painting. And I think Ed Wood is a fucking like movie. Like, I don't know. This isn't really an argument to me. Like, I, I 100% think it's Ed Wood. Calling a ghost story a painting is a very good way to put it. It's kind of what I love about it. But mm. yeah, I'm kind of leaning more towards a ghost story on this one, just because what I was talking about before with uh, how I thought that Ed Wood was more niche. I feel like, yeah, ghost story in its presentation is niche, but it might show somebody something that maybe they hadn't considered before. And I do think that its theme is as universal as you could get. It's about dealing with death and the afterlife and what goes on after you're gone something that everybody who is ever alive has thought about like before this is really tough i can't thank a24 enough for bringing us stuff like a ghost story facts like there wouldn't be a platform for movies that could be like this thought-provoking and uh i guess like artistically driven in today's market if it weren't for that production company yeah when we talk about duel of the takes history too we we had our closing titles watch a ghost story for the first couple of months. This was a movie we recommended to literally anybody. <laughs> and I didn't watch it until today. <laughs> I love both of these movies, but I think it's really dope if a ghost story is in the final two. It is. All right. Well, now that that's said, I was on the side of Ed Wood. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Josh, Josh's argument just won it. Yeah. Based. I mean, this is his final four, so I'm just going to have his argument determine that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no this right side uh here we go josh honestly can we count this down i mean sure just to get a lay of the land i feel like jory's looking at me right now and going one <laughs> all right gut instinct ready three two one x-men x-men holy shit yo yo i did not expect that shit to go that way i'm glad i didn't need a vote in that
what it's a final two. <laughs> wait, wait, you don't even like want to get Ratatouille elevated? I would love to elevate Ratatouille in the top two, but that was just a moment in Duel that takes history. That was a very soft X-Men Days of Future Past from me, but okay. <laughs> Same. We're in the end game now. It's Ghost Story, 100%. Okay, so quoting Nate on his previous argument, very nice, like, art piece, but X-Men Days of Future Past is more of a movie. Like, you got the superheroes, that's cool. You got, like, a ton of cool action and, like, witty one-liners and stuff. It's way better. I feel like anybody who sees this movie would fucking love it. And people would be like, why the fuck isn't anybody talking at Ghost Story? What's that soy boy with suspenders talking about? And why don't I care? I really liked his dialogue. That was like a like a duel of the takes monologue in the middle of the movie. I liked it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah, it was cringe as fuck. And I was... Terri- it was a terrible take, but it, I mean, he thought it out sort of. And people somewhat agreed in the room. That dude was drunk. <laughs> and talking me too there's been episodes of toll of the dicks <laughs> that's like josh after he meant after i mentioned the word crowd pleasing <laughs> so much take for you x-men days of future past is better than a ghost story fuck a24 it's really not it's not x-men days of future past is the film industry right now yeah i mean that's exactly why i'm gonna go for a ghost story here because of everything that i just said about ed wood being kind of what i like in a movie and a ghost story being a painting i think what alden was saying about a24 this is more of what i'd like to see from the film industry and you're giving me the most fucking cliche where the film industry is heading so fuck it a ghost story cliche what's cliche about x-men days of future past yeah that's because it was trailblazing that's because it was so fucking am- it's a superhero movie made after the year 2008 it's not that trailblazing amazing that everybody was like holy shit this shit is fucking awesome yeah just because it combines two casts of characters that are from different trilogies or different just because it finally solved the problem of merging eras in films that were finally becoming two. guess what comic books have been doing that for fucking 40 years at this point jory just because they brought it to film once didn't star trek also do it before days of future past this was the movie that finally fucking did it nate jory star trek did it first star trek is for fucking nerds nate so is x-men x-men is for fucking nerds jory i don't know how to read this is a marvel movie this is definitely not a marvel movie it doesn't feel like a guardians film yes it is a marvel movie what the fuck i really love a ghost story but we're in the end game now x-men days of future past i'm on that team hell yeah this was our avengers end game okay this was no this was no one's avengers end game what this was our avengers end game what other superhero collective movie was just a satisfying avengers endgame so you're gonna defend this whole avengers endgame agenda go for it i would love for you guys to sim for the mc at least the time travel and x-men days of future past works and makes sense uh i'm not defending x avengers endgame at all right now i'm talking about a ghost story in x-men days of future past you want to compare x-men days of future past to other movies in its tired genre it's not a valid argument just because it's the best superhero movie doesn't make it one of the best movies of the last 20 years a ghost story is nate you pointed out to us before when we were talking about uh the thing versus x-men days of future past that all of us are fans of superhero movies whether we want to admit it or not and i feel like josh and i's take that this is the best one 
has to be valid in some sort of capacity because we are fans of that genre. I am also a fan of that genre, but again, it's one genre that's been extremely popular over the past 20 years. That doesn't make it the best movie of the last 20 years. I mean, it's notable. Sure, it's notable. How did it do at the box office? How did a ghost story do at the box office, John? <laughs> X-Men Days of Future Past, I think, made a lot of money, actually. Yeah, I think it was a financial success. It did okay. It's no Endgame. Enough for, like, three sequels. One. Okay, so we're comparing to Endgame? So are we talking about Endgame or art? No, but you guys brought it up. Let's talk about Endgame. Who had the better time travel? Days of Future Past. Who had the more iconic characters? Days of Future Past. Who had the more consistent story? Days of Future Past. You brought it up again. Doctor Who. I don't know about Doctor Who. Honestly, better time travel. Gross. Uh-oh. I think a ghost story is better time travel than X-Men Days of Future Past. Was it time travel? It was kind of moving in a loop. It's a form of travel. I, I suppose, but then every movie is a time travel movie. Every movie is moving forward in time. We are currently traveling through time. But when does it loop back around? When you start the movie over? At the end of the universe and at the rebirth of the universe is at least what I got from ghost story yeah i just think a ghost story is wildly better than tree of life so therefore it should beat x-men days of future past i like tree of life tree of life's fine i'm not trying to bully it is x-men days of future past has a better character that can phase through walls played brilliantly by elliot page <laughs> so what's it gonna be guys are you guys just transphobic or something or don't or do you like days of future past says the one who keeps dead naming i don't even think x-men days of future past is my favorite movie with elliot page in it yeah but juno's not on this list what a shame is, was Juno his pick? It was actually Super, which is also in this tired genre. <laughs> super's weird now. Super is super weird now. Super's aged really oddly. Uh, do I think this is the last movie that Jennifer Lawrence was watchable in? Maybe. <laughs> I don't even think she was watchable in this one. <laughs> well, you need to open your eyes. These two movies give me like a different reaction. At the end of A Ghost Story, I want to cry. And at the end of Days of Future Past, I feel like a sigh of like relief that like my favorite, like some of my favorite superhero movies have like a really good ending now. I feel like you could ask more from X-Men Days of Future Past and you couldn't ask more from A Ghost Story and what it's trying to say and do. I agree. Here's a question for A Ghost Story. What the fuck does that note say? Huh? I waited the entire goddamn movie and I didn't even get the fucking answer that's that's the point but and i know you're being facetious so i don't want to be the guy to say that <laughs> you could say the same thing about mystique being striker at the end true maybe you could ask for a, a better villain in x-men days of future past like there's no one as mystique and magneto sure it's magneto but you're also still kind of pulling for him like he's not wrong yeah but he's never been wrong isn't that what makes a good antagonist though yeah that's why people love magneto i don't know i think i'm gonna say the words i think i'm gonna say that x-men days of future past is the more crowd-pleasing of these two films <laughs> <laughs> he said it he said it this is a finale <laughs> everyone i've shown a ghost story has appreciated it and probably like i'd say they liked it like that's all you can really ask from an audience. And it's also about half the runtime. Not including the row cut. And also, like, I feel like if I were just to randomly show someone X-Men Days of Future Past and they weren't familiar with X-Men, they'd be like, who the... Oh, wait, why is this guy bald now? What What's going on? Why are there two of them? Like, But yo, that's what I appreciate about days of future past is that like you actually have to watch the movies and grow with the characters unlike the mcu or other like genres or franchises that tried to like do this type of like movie universe thing is that you actually have to like grow with the characters haven't seen something like that like a harry potter or 
I can't even say the same thing for Star Wars because I feel like somebody could cool trilogy and like be fine. I can't. That's what I kind of appreciate about this franchise compared to others. I feel like something else special about Days of Future Past, though, is like as much as you're not in on everything as you would be if you had seen the other movies, I feel like you could watch Days of Future Past blind. Like there's not really a lot of information that comes straight from the other movies that you need to know to see Days of Future Past and understand it and enjoy it. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are like old Magneto and uh, Professor X. Like, they say who each other are. Like, you can go into that movie without even watching First Class and be fine. In the history of the show and the history of just this bracket, the past uh, two hours or so, given... I always just default to the other side of the argument because I like the, the argument. I like the other takes, and it's a way to compromise it's a way to reach an end um but right now i don't feel like doing it i think this is still a ghost story and i'm gonna wait for someone else to default <laughs> and also we still have to make a guest tier list so don't worry i've got nothing to do until 9 p.m tomorrow likewise i've got nothing to do but edit more duel of the takes tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> damn this is turning into a battle um josh so you're gonna fire up uh instagram right <laughs> yeah i'll go live on instagram hey guys what's better one of these x-men movies that you probably haven't seen or a ghost story an a24 art house mean that you've never heard of yeah no we're not doing that why not because x-men would win because the chances of people seeing neither are high yes exactly i want to ask nicholas roman but i don't want his vote to count he's not i don't think he's seen a ghost story all right so we're saying that his vote doesn't count i think anyone that has seen a ghost story besides josh who's being a clown right now do <laughs> you know mikhail loves a ghost story mikhail is the mikhail is the dude in the suspenders you know actually that's a good point is nate on the wrong side of history again no to see Casey Affleck play around in a sheet for like an hour. <laughs> These movies are interesting because we have a canceled actor on one end and then we have a canceled director on the other end. I actually don't even know what Casey Affleck got canceled for. What was he? What was the deal? Yeah, what did he do? I don't think it's really a valid point here. I will say it's really problematic the whole JFK scene in X Men Days of Future Past, but it also makes me laugh. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of us. Nate, that's the pie scene. <laughs> from the ghost story <laughs> that's the next scene we're remaking we absolutely should as much as we talk about it hey mom did you see a ghost story <laughs> story it's an a24 movie starring casey affleck and rooney mara you did see it what did you think you feel like you have to see it again do you remember x-men days of future past <laughs> that's the one where like they like go back in time and they've got both of them yeah what'd you think of that one she likes that one, but she feels like she has to go back and rewatch a ghost story. <laughs> I feel like I have to go back and rewatch a ghost story just because we're talking about it. That's the point of the movie. So do I, and I just saw it. That's the one where he's under a sheet the whole movie. This feels like that scene in The Office where they're all pointing their finger guns at each other. Yeah, they don't. You're right. <laughs> yeah, they don't go together at all. <laughs> we're talking about which is better, X-Men Days of Future Past or a ghost story. Oh, X-Men Days of <laughs> Thank you, mother. <laughs> that was base. Thank you, mother. Nate, don't you dare. I'm sorry. 
Alden. Nate, no. I'm sorry. I didn't default. It's fine. Someone else did. An outside element came in and was our tiebreaker. I will bring another outside element. Steven hasn't seen either of these movies. Also, Steven has a track record of being based and on my side. Well, I know he hasn't seen a ghost story, but I'm pretty sure I saw Days of Future Past with him. It's okay, Alden. This is this is like the sponsor movie of Duel to Take Season 1. Like, when I think of Duel to Take Season 1, I'm gonna think of the movie. I'm about to sue Fox. <laughs> It's doing Disney now. So a uh, a ghost story is our honorable mention and uh, a runner-up. A ghost story is a rightful second place. Like it made a it made a great run. X Men: Days of Future Past is the season finale, the best movie we've ever talked about on Duel of the Takes. Yes, it is. Hell yeah! How are we gonna up ourselves next season? Find out. If you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it the most. And we will be back sometime in mid-January. 2021. All I want to say, this is the future you guys chose. You guys could have just let it have best superhero movie and I would have been satisfied. So December of 2021, POV, Jory and I are talking about why Eyes Wide Shut and wins the all-time bracket. <laughs> Bringing it back. Thank you for listening to this season of Duel of the Takes. Our show wouldn't work without fans and friends like yourself. To everyone who downloaded a podcast or shared a video. To everyone who liked a post on Instagram or argued with us in the Discord server. You all have made it a very special year for us. Duel of the Takes will be back very, very soon. And remember, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.